1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
2: Oh, I do get to hear your sultry intro voice, though. That's good. I get to see your sultry intro voice. This is John Ellidge for Skylines.
1: Okay, we have an issue here that I need to leave some space on the tape (laughs) to tell Nick, the producer, what background noise sounds like. (laughs) And every time I try and do that, you get awkward and start talking. (laughs) Sorry.
0: This is a Manhattan bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand
1: Street. Mind the gap. Hello, I'm John Elledge, and this is Skylines, the City Metric podcast. Uh-huh. I'm coming to you from from a new location today. Skylines has been on tour. I've been to the lovely country of Finland, which we're going to tell you all about this episode. I did think of recording this podcast about Finland in Finland, but slightly buggered that up. So instead, I'm coming to you from the rather fine podcast studio at London's Chatham House, which is also known as, what's its other name? The Royal Institute of International Affairs. Thank you. And to talk about Finland, <laughs> I am joined by one of the other guests on this particular trip, courtesy of the Finnish Embassy, the deputy editor of the World Today magazine and co-host of the Chattermouse podcast, Undercurrents, Agnes Frimston. Hello.
2: Hello. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
2: Good. You're enjoying our dark, dark media studio.
1: I mean, I think what you've got to understand here is that, like, after you've been working at the New Statesman for five years anywhere looks high-tech
2: yes except and i hate this sounds very disloyal but we built this purposefully last year oh god and the reason it's dark is that we have to pull the lights out because they make a noise so it's not just this we're making do with what we've got we created this <laughs> well, isn't that
1: the proud british tradition i of... think so
2: yeah definitely anyway finland
1: Finland. So, yes, it was a, a, a study visit mm-hmm. arranged by the Finnish Embassy in London. Yeah. So lots and lots of meetings with important Finns telling us about, you know, economic development and smart cities and and all that jazz.
2: But before we crack on, we should probably say thank you to a couple of people. Mintu at the Finnish Embassy, who booked everything and was just great. And um, a couple of our tour people when we were there. So, Joanna. Jana, yes. Um, Who was amazing. Who was, I mean,
1: who had been an MP for the Green Party of Finland at like 24 or something. I
2: want her to be my friend.
1: She was so cool. Yeah.
2: But her role is foreign press attache? Yeah, sort
1: of liaison for
2: the the Finnish embassy. And basically everybody from the embassy who broke things and organised stuff because it was great. Very full as well. Yeah. a lot, lot,
1: lot of small talk those those long days. Okay, let's let's start from first principles. What did what did you learn about Finland?
2: Well, I realised I knew very little about Finland before going. I think I sort of lumped it in with the rest of the Nordics a bit, but knew it was you know, a bit threatened by Russia on the other side. Oh,
1: you were meant to say Scandinavia so that I could so that be like, actually, me. it's not a Scandinavian country. It's actually a, it's a Nordic country. But you've kind of stuffed me there. So, oh, so
2: I do work at Jasmine House, John. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should know that. It's um, my podcast. I get to do this my corrections. Sorry.
1: Well, you do that on your own podcast.
2: But in um, my house. <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect at all. I think the thing that I was most surprised by was how many Japanese tourists there were there. Uh, yeah, and the that links was with very Japan. striking, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I know that for Finnair, it's the... Um, I was going to say this is boring, but I think maybe actually this no, is I, your I, crowd. No, audience will love this. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> That's the changing...
1: The transfer point. Transfer the hub- point. It's basically, if you're coming from Eastern Asia, it's the first... European airport yeah. you reach.
2: So obviously, like lots of people I think are in Helsinki for that reason. But then equally, just their links to Japan has gone back quite a long way anyway.
1: Yeah. And China as well. They seem oh to be. Oh my God, there. the yeah. number
2: of cities that are twinned with Shanghai. <laughs> yeah. So we'll,
1: we'll come on to, to this in a bit. But Espoo, which is the sort of Helsinki version of Milton Keynes or something, this sort of new town built on the outside, yeah. is twinned with Shanghai. So this, basically, this office park. Five miles out of him, Helsinki is twinned with Shanghai, which, well, that's, that's a choice.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll get on to that, I think, probably. But that is something that I found quite striking and quite worrying, potentially, is what the Finns are doing with some of their data collecting and technology is really, really interesting if you trust your government. If you're twinned with Shanghai and they're learning lots of stuff from you, maybe that's a bit more sinister. <laughs> what did you learn, though, John?
1: OK, so my main takeaway about Finland was... Finnish history starts in about 1300, which you're shaking your head because I've not stopped banging on about this. But I love this fact. I don't know why. (laughs) But just the idea that like prehistory in Finland, which basically means like there's people there, but no one was writing anything down Mm. lasts until the Swedes invade in 1300. And then you've got 500 years of Swedish domination, 100 years of Russian domination. And then it's an
2: independent country after World War One. Yeah, slight wobble, obviously. The Second World War, yeah, um, brief, but yeah, brief, and in many ways understandable if yeah. if russia's your big border. Um, yeah, so
1: like this is this is my other favorite Finnish fact, which I knew before before going out there, is like the line that democracies don't go to war against each other is disproven by the fact that technically Britain and Finland were at war during World War Two <laughs> because Finland was on the German side <laughs> because it was so scared of the USSR.
2: Yeah, well, and actually talking to some of the business people there. On the NATO front, it's interesting because obviously Finland is not in NATO. And the poll, the recent polls they had, I think, about how whether or not Finns want to join NATO, absolutely not for obvious reasons. They I mean, don't it's want basically
1: to... a bit of an invitation, like, why why not bring your army over that massive land border?
2: It is, but in what way would you think Finland and Russia would in any way currently go to war? Would Russia invade Finland? Obviously not. And yet, as a country that's, you know, they're worried enough about that potentially to not join mm. NATO.
1: So, yeah, we also, we went to the National Museum of, of Finland and they had all these sections on these kind of summits it had during the Cold War where it pitched itself as kind of a neutral country where like nato and the warsaw Pact countries could sit down
2: well the helsinki summit was a huge bit of cold war history it was really really important but also i think the the other bit of that maybe to think about is that finnish landscape is very very similar to russians so it feels a bit european but equally quite russian so just the location and settings feel like that's somewhere that could be at home for lots of different people if they're coming to discuss scary things, mm. it's not like alien alien.
1: Yeah, it felt less kind of um, Western European than I expected it to, which is not, which is you know makes sense because it is actually quite a long way
2: east. I was struck by how much Helsinki was like St Petersburg in a way that I really hadn't expected. Okay,
1: not been to St Petersburg. <laughs> tell us, th- tell us about St Petersburg.
2: <clears throat> Like many European cities, it's the widest streets, isn't it, that we really don't get in London or in British cities. But it's just the scale of the buildings and the facades. And, you know, the train station in Helsinki, that was quite sort of brutalist, Soviet-style, next to these sort of palace buildings. And then obviously you've got the Orthodox element, because that's another thing I didn't realise, that the Orthodox Church is quite big in Finland. So mm-hmm. you've got these Orthodox churches plonked in the middle of stuff. So it it seems far more like... Kiev or St. Petersburg than like Berlin, I thought.
1: Yeah, no, so it's it wasn't cold when we were there. It was actually a heatwave. It was far hotter than it was in London. But it gets to these very cold winters. This, this very, it's a very foresty country. Mm. A lot of lakes. A lot of lakes.
2: Yeah. Well, so, I think it's just on a lake, isn't it, really? Yeah,
1: we're sort of on the Baltic, but like it's bits of... Like we were, we were sat in this park next to what looked like a pond. But if you look at the map it's just the edge of the Baltic that doesn't look like the sea. It was
2: like... <laughs> It's quite weird. And again, the sort of the Finns' attachment to the countryside, and especially when we went to the third city we visited, Tampere, the way that they're taking into account that sort of connection with the countryside when they're doing city planning. Like, there's quite a lot of space, and yet they're building stuff on top of other things so that people can still get to the forest really easily. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea that you have to be close to nature is quite key in all of their cities, it seems.
1: Yeah, that was sort of a recurring thing, wasn't it? Just that, you know, people have these sort of cabins in the woods which is another sort of quite Russian from the idea of a dacha yeah but people have these effectively summer houses with no electricity or running water that they go to for a couple of weeks every year
2: but uh, it's not just in the summer either I mean you know the talking that people were talking about ice jumping and a couple of other people talking about what they missed about not being in Finland and it's about being being able to go into nature really easily so it does seem to be like quite an identity of like the Finns is all the time wanting to spend some time in nature
1: so we've talked about how it was like St. Petersburg. I thought it was like quite, it was very spread out, wasn't it? It was a very open city.
2: Well, yeah, considering, because what's the population? It's Leeds, is it?
1: Yeah, the okay. whole the whole urban area is about a million. So okay. sort of Leeds, Bradford or Glasgow, it's not, you know, it, it's much, much smaller than not only London, but even somewhere like Manchester is much bigger than Helsinki.
2: Yeah, it, yeah, it did feel really sort of spread out. And everywhere seemed to be 20-minute walk away, which I know doesn't sound that much. But like everywhere was 20 minutes. There wasn't really something that was then 10 minutes around the corner.
1: Yeah, it did feel like it sort of had the scale of a much bigger city than I was expecting. And also like trams everywhere.
2: Trams, they're so great.
1: But just like it had quite an extensive public transport network. So you didn't go on the metro, did you? I didn't go on the
2: metro. Bright yeah. orange. Really? Was it was great? Like,
1: so orange.
2: How big is the metro?
1: So, yeah, there's just, there's, it's reasonably new. There's just one line It's just kind of, like, literally a straight line mm-hmm. with about 20 stations or something. But they're talking about extending it. So the trams are kind of the the bigger thing. And they were proper, like, they're beautiful trams. Aren't oh, they're they? amazing. like green and gold. They're like proper old-fashioned things.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely impractical as hell if you are in any way disabled or have a pushchair or small children. You have, you'd have to climb up onto those trams. But they're very beautiful.
1: Yeah. And isn't that the important I mean like as we, if we learn anything from, from the route master is that you know, when it comes to transport that practicality doesn't really matter. What Who cares? really matters is how pretty they are in the background.
2: Or well, in fact the new um great western trains, it doesn't like you can't get a push chair into the vestibule. fun fact for you. Well know? if
1: you've got a if you've got a child, wouldn't it be better to have a car <laughs> rather than getting in the way of, of trained people?
2: But you say the metro is new. When we went to temporary. They've got a new tram that they're building, which we'll come to in a second, I'm sure. But they're very proud of the fact that they had crowdsourced the colour of the tram. Do you remember this? I
1: missed that. Oh my god. Okay,
2: so it's red, and basically they asked the like, because people were quite annoyed by all of this building work and stuff, so they basically asked the population of Tampere what colour they want their tram, and they went red. So I was wondering whether the metro was maybe crowdsourced too.
1: Maybe it was this sort of very reddy orange, yeah, bright, bright orange. I mean, like it kind of makes the, the orange of the Glasgow subway look a bit wet. Okay, this is like you know, really sort of in your face. Yeah, it's kind of metal orange.
2: Yeah, you know. there was another form of transport, wasn't there, in Helsinki, which I would like to say I tried in. Brussels, a couple of weeks ago. But John, did you get excited about those?
1: I didn't really want to do it. Yeah. Because we'd had this, like, you told me it hadn't gone well for you in Brussels. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd been a bit sort of braggy about it and been like, oh, well, you know, obviously I'd be... I'd be better at it than you.
2: Yeah. And you
1: doubted that. Yeah. And I was feeling very insecure when we started. But it turns out that actually, no, I was in fact better at it than you. So,
2: yeah. Have we said what they are yet?
1: I don't know. Electric Tense. scooters. <laughs> <Tense>. <laughs> what are we
2: talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, electric scooters, which, yeah, are all over quite a few different cities. And I personally think are lethal. They go quite fast.
1: Yeah. You're doing like 20 miles an hour on these.
2: Exactly. Things. And you're like, if you're on the, you shouldn't be on the pavement, but just crossroads and I don't know. But they're really fun. They're really fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: And really quick as well. They're I mean, really like the, 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 the upside of being really fast is that you can go quite a long way yeah. quite quickly.
2: But I would say, because I went to Brussels for the first time and we did most of it on those, it's not a great way to see a city because you're going quite fast and you have to concentrate. You can't really be looking around you. That's interesting. No, I'd not
1: thought of it like that. In that like f- A
2: bike is much like a bit calmer or I don't know, you've got time to sort of look around you.
1: Because, yeah, no, I think bikes are a good way of seeing a city. But I wouldn't have thought it was that big a speed difference, was it?
2: I think it's just the fact that you're concentrating on the road quite hard and balancing. Mm. Maybe that's just me and not really looking around at buildings.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is more concentration going into the basic not falling (laughs) off thing. (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: um, oh, so like cycling you feel slightly more in control of the yeah. speed, I think. Whereas this is like you kind of like you turn the accelerator thing and you shoot off without quite knowing how fast you're gonna go. So yeah, maybe not. But it was still it was still fun. I would not necessarily think there would be a great introduction to the streets of London. I think
2: they would be terrible. I
1: think they would kill a lot of people
2: well because i mean the, the numbers on them um, children being killed on the roads have gone up anyway in the last five years because of micro scooters cheery cheery fact for you yeah i didn't know that that's... yeah because they're going quite fast and even if they've got helmets on or something they do tend to they can shoot out into the road a bit more so they're a bit lethal so yeah imagine if actually we had electric scooters
1: well that's something to look forward to
2: cheery but the second city we went to was really interesting i thought
1: Okay. Espoo. Which is, I mean, like, there's an argument as to whether it's, they kept talking about it as being, like, the second biggest city in Finland. It's not. I mean, what they meant is the second most populous local authority in Finland, but it is basically this kind of, like, suburb of Helsinki that
2: sprung from nowhere. I thought they were saying Tampere was the second biggest city in Finland.
1: No, they said Espoo. Really? Tampere is the second biggest proper city. Okay. But honestly, Espoo is is just like, there's quite a lot of people who live there and it Mm. all looks like, you know, a big college campus or something or it felt very silicon valley to me well it is all
2: based around a university campus as well Mm. isn't it so yeah but yeah i went to the headquarters of nokia (laughs) that was fun wasn't it
1: yeah all the the screens of the latest news on one of which was about boris johnson alienating scotland so it's nice to know that particular news story had had made it across the baltic and we saw the nokia boot
2: we did, yes, the original Wellington boot. No, what do they call them? Bru- Nokian boots, I think. No, but they call them gum gum boots, don't they?
1: But I didn't know that. Like Nokia, for some years the world's foremost mobile phone company had started out in the, in the whole Wellington boot area of business. And it's so, a classic
2: yeah. jump: Wellington boot, mobile phone.
1: I mean, yeah, it just it just sort of flows quite naturally. Absolutely,
2: but yeah, I mean, they're they're very proud about like building this new city, aren't they? Because they can do it from scratch.
1: Which does sort of make it easier, doesn't it? Like, if you're starting from scratch, it kind of makes it much easier to make your city work effectively. Mm. So, like, there was this bit bit of a trip that you weren't with us on. We went to a a suburb in Helsinki on the other side, the name which escapes me, which is a whole... It's like Docklands. It's Mm. this whole former industrial district, which they're turning into a sort of residential area from scratch. And one of the clever things they're doing is each of these sort of litter bins or recycling bins goes down into tubes under the ground and there's vacuum tubes and they'll be pull all the rubbish to a sort of central hub where, you know, lorries will pick up the waste from there. So you're getting all these bin lorries off the roads because they've only got to go to this one place in the middle of the area. Mm. And that's really clever. That's yeah. brilliant. But you can't really retrofit that, no. can you? You sort of need to be building something from scratch.
2: Yeah. By the end, actually, I was a bit freaked out, I think well come on to this I'm sure and also it did bring out the slight rebellious like in me you know teenager at the back of the bus because one of the things they're doing in Esper is obviously um, building like a library and a medical centre and access to pensions stuff like that all in one place because they're sort of looking at how people use those services and obviously that's brilliant (laughs) but you can only do that if you're starting from scratch you can't do that unless you have a huge amount of land anywhere else really
1: yeah and one of the things we've learned from getting universal credit debacle is that it's quite difficult to kind of like streamline an existing complicated system dealing with the complex reality of people's lives. Like if you start kind of like thinking, well, we we'll just cut bits off or merge bits, then things things fall over quite quickly.
2: Well, except that's the thing that I think is so interesting about Finland is that obviously they have this incredibly equal society. There isn't really any sort of huge gaps between earnings. And so they don't really have very, very poor people. That's the thing about, you know, the universal credit system. The benefit system is complicated because poor people's lives are complicated. So the Finns have managed to streamline the way that they deal with their public and their state into such a sort of smooth process. And they are a little bit smug about it. But that's because everybody behaves in the same way and nobody is that complicated. Mm. No, you know, we're given a presentation by somebody talking about the needs of immigrants to Finland. And he'd mapped out all these different things. And I just thought, if you fall down a crack, though, you're lost. You know, these are all cities and services that are designed very specifically and very cleverly. But they rely completely on everybody behaving the same way and nobody having too many complex problems, which slightly freaked me out.
1: (laughs) And you can sort of do it in like it's a very small country population wise. It's about five million people in Finland, and
2: homogenous. Which is yeah,
1: it's you know, just over half the population of London.
2: Yeah,
1: immigration is a reasonably new thing there, and it tends to be sort of white immigration. It kind of is a sort of less complicated society to to deal with problems in. I think
2: it's a very sort of clean, it's very clean and homogenous society, which works really really well. But I think as soon as maybe some more complicated external factors come in, like if immigration goes up hugely. They will have to adapt their systems, I think.
1: Mm. The homogeneity of it probably means that it's much easier to model behavior yeah, and how people respond to services and, and ideas and so on. Please
2: mind the gap between the train and the platform.
0: Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you,
1: you were different.
0: And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Let's let's briefly talk about Tampere
2: Yes Which
1: is the actual second city of Finland
2: to And which... home of Turvi Janssen
1: Yeah
2: Moomin lady
1: Which was the bit you were most excited about And we didn't manage to go and see the museum Which was very Glad sad
2: love the Moomins Yeah Anyway
1: But we got a train to, to Tampere It
2: was a great train It was, yeah, it
1: was fine Yeah I don't know, I was underwhelmed by the train I always get excited about going on trains in foreign countries And this one was just a bit like
2: I was confused by how tall it was And then not really inside Yes <laughs> Like It looked like a, de- a German double-decker, yeah. uh, but actually wasn't internally. Do
1: you think there's like a secret compartment? I don't know. Or like luggage racks? or
2: Just like mice in the roof doing useful yeah. tasks. I don't know.
1: I was sort of expecting a more foresty view, whereas it was just like, it was like doing the London to Brighton Line or something. Hmm. It wasn't actually that exciting a railway journey.
2: But and... I mean, we were still very far south in Finland and it didn't really get dark, did it? No. No, I mean, like, the
1: first night we were sat outside a bar at midnight Yeah, in, you know, it was dusk. It was about to get dark. Yeah. Between that and the two-hour time difference does very weird things to your head,
2: doesn't it? It does, it's yeah.
1: lost tra- track of what time it was meant to be a lot.
2: But Tampere, yes.
1: So Tampere is kind of, it sort of reminded me of a cross between somewhere like Manchester, mm-hmm. a lot of red brick industrial heritage, and somewhere <laughs> like, I don't know, Basildon or Coventry, those kind of, like, you know, post-war new towns. I felt which were a bit depressing. That kind of style of architecture.
2: What I think struck me is nothing was really very high. You know, they have like the big hotel tower and then mm-hmm. a couple of things, but it, their skylines are quite quite low, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that's sort of the... they do have a lot of space. Like they are not short of space. Well,
2: except you say that, but the reason they're doing this exciting thing with the arena, which I'm sure you will explain, is because they don't want to disturb the forest around the city. They don't Mm, want to expand it out, which is why they're having to come up with innovative ways to change the internal bit of the city. So they do have lots of space, but they don't want to use it for that.
1: Uh, But I guess I was just thinking like historically, like they've not needed to do that rather than the result of current current planning policies. So the arena, they are building a deck over the main railway line. And they're going to put like basically an arena and a conference venue in the state, you know, one of those things that you get in like loads of provincial cities and countries around the world where it's like, this is the thing that will sort out out our economy.
2: (laughs) People will come here. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we'll give people a reason to visit this place. (laughs) But yeah, they are building it over an existing railway line to which they basically have to create land by sort of cantilevering it Mm -hmm. over this, 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 this railway, which is kind of, that's an incredible sort of engineering feat.
2: It's absolutely astonishing because it's not just you think about the weight of that arena on top of the line. You also think about if anything happens in that tunnel, if a train crashes in any way, how do you build it so that that doesn't in any way kill everybody above you? It must. It's an absolute feat. It's astonishing. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting.
1: OK, so the ostensible point of the study visit was to kind of teach us about, you know, smart cities, which is obviously, you know, an area Finland's quite interested in because the Nokia was for a long time their, their biggest employer, I think. I've been looking at the smart cities thing on and off for, for a few years now. I think you are reasonably new to it. What did you make of the whole thing? Can you tell me what a smart city is? Because <laughs> I've been waiting for years for someone to be able to tell me this. <laughs> I don't know
2: if I can. Well, my reading of it basically is that you are building... And running cities around the ways that people actually use them, but largely through data and new technology. Is that right?
1: Kind of. Okay. But that's, no, I'm saying my my cynicism is not about your answer, it's about the whole concept of smart cities. Because I think it's a little, like, there is real stuff here in that, like, you know, big data and something like, you think about like City Map the app that we, we use to plan journeys in London now. If you kind of have the right data, you can kind of make things work more efficiently.
2: Yeah. Well, and especially if you're building somewhere from scratch.
1: Yeah. But mixed in with that, there's a lot of like basic, well, wouldn't it be great if you could just pay your council tax online kind of stuff, which feels to me like it's a slightly different thing. Plus, there is this inevitable tendency to just slap the word smart on anything. Yeah. I'm fairly confident that some of this is really sort of exciting, innovative stuff. And some of it is just like, you know, technology And some of it is like marketing bullshit. And I'm never sure where the line between those things lies.
2: I think the other point to make as well is about me and were talking about whether or not this stuff is transferable. And I think culturally a lot of this is not. So ESPO, cameras everywhere, recording devices on lampposts. There is no way that any city in Germany would allow itself to be run as a smart city, if it needed cameras everywhere. Because culturally, that is not something the Germans are comfortable with. Same way that Britain, I don't think, is comfortable with lots of the data like element of it, considering mm. we wouldn't even agree to ID cards. Yeah, we've got so, cameras
1: all over the place, but the idea of the government being able to track you in
2: some way would freak exactly, us out. Exactly, or read your health data, because they, you know, they track people's health data to check how people are using... You know, we, would, we get freaked out by that. So I think it's also that if smart cities are relying on quite a lot of tech to monitor people that just won't translate to lots and lots of the world but I don't know maybe that's my cynicism
1: no I mean I've been cynical about this for while. I think it's also being slightly pushed by a lot of the big tech companies because it's sort of the next frontier like I think there's a bit of a, a, a race to kind of own the operating system for the city yeah because the data it produces is valuable so I think, the, the, like the places like Microsoft and, and Siemens and so on, are all pushing this uh, these smart city ideas, and it is basically just about getting
2: hold of that data. And do you not also think maybe it's because cities are coming up with increasingly bigger problems? I mean, pollution is just one of them. I mm. know that's always been a problem for cities throughout history, but I think if those companies feel like they can work out a solution to saving London from pollution, they will be quids in yeah they? they will so i think there's a bit of that too but but um i do think it's really interesting it, it just it does on the finish side it does sort of feel a bit like a a very closed experiment <laughs> mm. it's like oh that's really interesting but i don't know how that would work elsewhere
1: yeah just before we move on from the tech stuff just very quickly like i sort of think knock is interesting because it was this sort of massive tech company you know it, it everyone had a Nokia phone 15 years ago. It was just the phone you had. And then that stops pretty much overnight, and now it doesn't really do that anymore because it doesn't really make smartphones. That's kind of... of really interesting finding out what that does to a country, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it was in 2005 or something in the Finnish History Museum, it said that Nokia paid 1.5 billion euros in tax, the just, equivalent of, to yeah. the Finnish government. Which is a lot of... That's a lot of tax. It's a huge. And it's also... It's not just that it employs lots of people, it's also you know, a prestigious brand. People know Nokia, and you can be proud of that. But we had dinner with somebody who had worked there for 30 years before he moved on, and it must be so weird mentally to be part of the biggest company in the world and suddenly just not be relevant anymore. Yeah, It happened, like, BlackBerry as well, just sort of over a year, two years, and just collapsed.
1: I feel the need to point out at this point that my... My colleague, our American editor, Nikki Wolf, who, who has been on this podcast a number of times, is the only person I know and possibly the only person left on the planet who uses a BlackBerry. And like when he got a new phone recently, he got a different BlackBerry.
2: Excellent. I love Nicky. Excellent. Um, but then again, if you look at what's come out of that, clearly, you know, um, the makers of Angry Birds and a lot of the sort of online gaming designers are there. They've sort of stayed quite small, comparatively. So I wonder if that's a bit of a sort of lesson from Nokia internally.
1: Yeah, well, it sort of made me think of as You know that bit in Fantasia where it destroys the... Mickey... Is it Mickey? Destroys the broom. Yeah. And you get lots and lots of little brooms. It's like that, but with the tech industry. Just like the collapse of this one big tech giant. It's yeah. not a collapse because it's still going. It's yeah. still very much going concern. But the decline of this one big tech giant has also spawned a lot of kind of startups. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that's impressive. It's a pretty rich country still. So good for that. It's
2: interesting. Yeah. And we ate some really good food. Yeah. Like quite veggie as well. A lot but of cabbage. A lo- it's 11, quite a lot of cabbage. Quite a lot of cabbage, but cabbage innovatively presented and in, yeah. in interesting ways. Yeah. Didn't you have um reindeer black pudding?
1: Yeah, so, so I, That's it. I have made a joke about going to breakfast where there'd be reindeer sausages and it turned out that that wasn't a joke, it was completely <laughs> true. Um, so yes, because from the same impulse that once made me eat alligator nuggets, I ate reindeer sausage and in neither case would I, would I recommend it
2: as no. a way forward. that is another impressive thing actually, the way that Helsinki Airport has claimed Santa.
1: Oh, yeah, it's the official it's the airport. The official of Santa. airport
2: of Santa. <laughs> I really didn't think he needed an airport.
1: Yeah, because he's got that whole flying sleigh thing.
2: Do you think hasn't maybe it's they? for his holidays? Or he's off to the Maldives?
1: Yeah, I mean, you probably don't <laughs> want to take the reindeer to the Maldives because they just end up like sausage
2: meat.
1: Um, cause it's a bit warm. Okay, so we should be wrapping up. But, like, did you like Finland? Would you go back?
2: I did like Finland. I have been to Russia on that sort of border a while ago and it's a very very beautiful landscape and I like I like a lake and a forest that's my type of nature but I don't know if I'd go back having done it now Mm. I feel like I'm really pleased I've seen it and it was really really interesting um, but there's a lot of
1: other places to see.
2: But again, it's interesting how different it is from somewhere like Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. I think
1: that's actually quite near the top of my list of cities I want to go to. Not Bloody wanted. great! Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I should go and see the bridge. I love the bridge.
2: Ah, uh, yes. Now I just got that in my head, and I was surprised by how different it was from from the Scandies.
1: Okay. And would you go to a tech dystopia again?
2: No. I think probably not. It slightly freaked me out, even though it's done for the best reasons.
1: Okay, well, if there are any people who work for major tech firms with interest in smart cities listening to this who want to put their side of the argument, um, this podcast is always looking for sponsors. (laughs) And I have fewer morals around these things than I'm quite easily bought, to be honest. So get in touch. See you next time. been listening to Skylines the podcast from City Metric, the new statesman city site it was presented and recorded by me John Anage and produced by Nick Hilton you can find Skylines every two weeks on iTunes Acast or whatever other app you use to get your, your podcast and while you're there why not leave us a nice review to, to tell other people we're here it you know it really helps people discover the show and I'm a megalomaniac so the more people I can get listening to this the better really we'll see you in two weeks thanks for listening I'm John Elledge, and this is... <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, I just can't look at... Do you mind if I just turn around while you do the intro? So I can't look at you.
0: Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.